you don't know, my name is Pastor Jairus, and I am the youth pastor here at House Youth. And at House Youth, this is our goal. Our goal is to create a place where you feel at home and where you begin to discover your identity in Jesus. Now, the, the way that we discover our identity is in Jesus is through the Bible. Look at your neighbor and say, the Bible. The Bible. So if you don't have a Bible tonight, don't you worry. I got Bibles in the back. So if you want a Bible for this evening, go grab one off that table. If you don't have your Bible there, go ahead and open up your phone and open up the Bible app. Because you got it on there too. And if you haven't downloaded it, do it. Because it's great and wonderful. And if you haven't done that, don't you worry. Don't you worry, Barry. I know you were worried, my man. I got it on the screen for you too. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go ahead and look at your neighbor. Look him dead in the eye and say, no, no, no. Look at your neighbor dead in the eye. Now take your finger and point at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's Bible time. It's Bible time. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Romans chapter 8, 38, 39. How many of you guys are ready to read God's word? Come on, let me hear you make some noise. All right, that's what I'm talking about. Romans 8, 38 and 39, this is what it says. Follow along with me. I am convinced, come on, look at your neighbor and say, convinced, that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing, come on, somebody say nothing. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tonight, I am very excited about this message. And I'm very excited about this because I think it asks an interesting question. And I, I, I want to throw it out to you now and we'll talk about it more later. And it's simply this. Are you convinced? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, are you convinced? Are you convinced? Okay. Let me, let's pray real quick before we go any further. Come on, let's bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would go before us tonight. God, I ask that as we read your word and God, as we, as we look at what your word has to say to us, that it wouldn't be just another night to be at church. It wouldn't be another night that we just listen. But Lord, I ask that this would be a night that we hear your word, God, and it changes our life, that we begin to discover our identity in you. So Lord, I ask that you would speak through me. It wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words. And on top of that, Lord, I pray that the rain would just go away and never come back. And everybody said, Amen. How many, of you guys, how many of you guys saw how hard it was raining today? It was ridiculous. I was terrified. I was like, if I wasn't already here at the church, I would be really scared to go outside and to get here. So you guys are champs for being here. Now, how many of you in this room are older, or I'm sorry, oldest siblings? Do I have any oldest siblings in the room? Okay. Now, if you're not an oldest sibling, how many of you our youngest siblings. Okay, there's my youngest siblings. And then, no, where's the middle children at? Okay, don't worry. I haven't forgotten you. The world may forget you. The world may forget you, but I do not forget you, middle children. Now, here's the deal. No judgment. Everybody promises not to judge me. I'm an oldest child, okay? I'm an oldest child. Now, here's the deal about oldest siblings. Oldest siblings are bossy. They are bossy. And I just, saw, I just saw Cole flash a look back at Molly that was vicious. Older siblings, now this is not, hey, listen, listen, listen. Don't be mad at us because we're, just, we're bossy. We can't help it. 
when you're the oldest sibling. Now, here's the other thing. Oldest siblings make up rules to everything. You could be playing a game, and the oldest sibling changes the rules last second because they're the oldest sibling. If you're the oldest sibling, you demand to be first player every time you play video games. That's just how it goes. If you are the oldest sibling, that's just how it works. And if you're the oldest sibling, you have to be in charge. How many of you guys know that the oldest sibling always thinks that they have to be in charge? It's true. Now, here's the deal. As an oldest sibling, stay with me, stay with me. As an oldest sibling, I am guilty of this. I, and in every single way, an old, oldest sibling can be bossy, can demand to be first player in video games. That's me. Now, on top of that, I do have to say this. In our defense, I think that younger siblings, especially when they're young, believe everything you tell them, okay? That, that's the thing. It's so easy to convince your younger siblings that this is what the rules are, even if that's not the case. It's so easy to convince your younger siblings that pickle juice is, is delicious, even if it's not, unless you like pickle juice. If you like pickle juice, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, here's the deal. As an oldest sibling... I did all these things, and um, it was me, my cousins, or my, my oldest cousin, and then another cousin of mine. And we would always convince my younger brother of anything. Like, we, we convinced him, one time we had, a, my, my aunt had a thing of rice, and we convinced him that this rice was actually maggots. And so we would throw the rice at him, and he'd be like, oh no, it's going to eat me. <laughs> we did that. I also convinced my little brother when he was real, real small, so my little brother is now two inches taller than me and 50 pounds heavier than me. So I don't pick fights anymore. But back when he was smaller than me, I convinced him that if he would hang long enough on the monkey bars, that he would get taller. And so my little brother would be out in the park like, like looking around like, I'm doing this for myself, so I'm not the little guy. And I don't know, I think it worked because <laughs> he is taller than me. So maybe I was onto something. But finally, the, one of the worst things, actually I would say, I say worst things, but I'm, so the thing I'm most proud of. One of the things I'm most proud of that we ever convinced him is this, we convinced my younger brother that when, when you got to third grade in the elementary school that we went to, that the art teacher stopped teaching you art and she taught you Mandarin Chinese, <laughs> okay? Now, he was younger than us, like, so you, you, can't, you can't blame him. He was younger than us and we convinced him, he was probably five when we did this to him, okay? So we said, the third grade teacher teaches you Mandarin Chinese, which means that all of us were fluent in Mandarin Chinese, and he knew absolutely none of it. So what would happen is Damon would walk up to us, and we'd go, and he was like, stop it, guys. And, be like, oh, yeah, yeah. and he's like, we're not saying anything. Like, we don't know the slightest bit of Chinese, any way to do it, but we would just make up sounds, and he believe us. He's like, mom. Like, how many of you guys know younger siblings go straight to mom? That's, that's how it works. They go straight to mom. Mom. And we got in trouble for convincing my younger brother that we got taught Mandarin Chinese. But honestly, we were so proud of it. It was like the, the poor guy, like it was rough, but like we were honestly genuinely impressed with ourselves that we pulled it off. But this, the thing is, is for that very reason, for those of you that have older siblings, and even those, those of you that are older siblings, it is hard to be convinced of something. It's hard to have somebody tell you something and you just believe it. Like if somebody were to tell you, oh, that class is easy or that teacher is great, you got to be a little bit skeptical because what if they really like that teacher but you don't like that teacher? Like you don't know. Or how many of you guys have ever tried to convince somebody else of something? 
Let's talk, uh, what about Apple Android? It is very difficult to convince somebody to go the other way. If you've ever tried to do this, you know how difficult this conversation is. The conversation of, this is a tough one to convince people, does pineapple belong on pizza? (laughs) So here's the deal. If we were to make this a debate, this would get out of control because you guys are already angry at me for saying it. Finally, I think this is another one. This is another one that people never, stay with me. Here's, here's one that people never sway on is dogs versus cats, okay? How many, how many dog fans in the room? How many cat fans in the room? Nobody's going to sway, okay? Once you're committed. But if you're, in, if, you're, if you're in between, there's sometimes there's something. But listen, listen, stay with me. It's hard to commit to something if you're not convinced about it. So if you are not convinced that pineapple belongs on pizza, it's hard for you to say, for you to raise your voice and say, I think it belongs on pizza. Or, but if you're, if you're, it's only if you're convinced. It's hard to commit to something unless you're totally convinced. And if you were here last, last week, uh, JJ shared an awesome, awesome message. And what he talked about is he talked about asking tough questions. Now, asking tough questions is not an easy thing. And he talked about how in his life there was questions that he had but he never really felt like he could ask them to people older them to his parents or, or things like that. Because it's sometimes it's, it's intimidating to ask certain questions. And he, he, he brought up ideas like, you know, wrestling with God. He talked about how sometimes to get to know God, to truly know the truth with God, you have to wrestle with God a little bit. Sometimes you have to, to work and, like, and think about these things and wrestle with a question that God has given you. And so tonight what I want to do is I kind of want to tell you my story. I want to tell you kind of what my, my faith journey is what I would call it. Where, where God's taken me from where I was to where I am now. And the thing about it is, is that some, I had some tough questions along the way that I, that I really asked. I had some tough things that I wasn't sure about that, that I didn't really know. So for instance, let me, let me, just, let me just get started. Uh, when I was a kid... It was never my dream to be a pastor, okay? My great-grandpa was a pastor. My grandpa was a pastor, and my dad is a pastor. And so after seeing that, I really did not want to be a pastor at all. I I actually wanted to be anything but a pastor, and wait, look at me now. I'm here. So here we are now. Um, So sometimes it, it really doesn't go the way you planned it. But the thing about it is, is that I grew up in church. Like, I, I grew up going to my grandpa's church. And then I, I ended up going, and then I was going to my dad's church when he was a pastor. And it was this, like, long journey of, like, I was, I, every time the doors were open at church, I was there. I was setting up chairs. I was setting up gaga pits. Shout out to these two fellas for, for helping me out with that. Uh, that kind of thing, that was, like, my life. Like, I lived at the church. Like, I was the guy that showed up early to church and left late. Like, that's just how it was. Now, the thing about it is, is that I, growing up in church, I, I knew the Bible. I knew how to pray. I knew so, so many of these things. I knew how to be a good Christian. But the thing about it is, is that there was a point in my life where I knew so much about the Bible, where I knew so much about God's word and, and all this stuff. But there was a, a, a part of me that was asking questions like, do I believe this? Do I genuinely believe this? What if all of this was made up? What if... The Bible was just something that somebody wrote just to make us feel better. What if praying, what if when I pray to God, it doesn't actually do anything? What if God's got a plan anyways? And like, these are the questions that I found myself asking. And it was, it was hard because when you're in church and when you're at church all the time, I, I, I just found myself in this place where I wasn't sure. 
And I remember specifically being at camp. And I was at camp, and at camp, there was like, everybody was crying around me, and everybody was like raising their hands in worship. And I just remember feeling like, I don't feel anything. I, don't, I absolutely, I, I really, I don't feel God. I don't feel emotional. I don't feel anything. And I remember feeling so empty and so honestly just alone. I was like, man, God, if, if you are so real, if, if everyone else around me is experiencing you, why, how come I'm not? And I remember it was just this very interesting time and this time where I wasn't sure about anything really. And so I, I was like, man, either I'm a million miles away from God because of my life or like I'm, I don't know what to believe about this. And I was frustrated, you know, because I feel like church to me had become a list of rules to follow. I feel like church to me, I, I, it, it had become something that I was at all the time that our family did. And it was like something that I had to do. But church was, was just, it wasn't, it's like it, it wasn't anything more than that to me. And, and I, I like to say that I was just going through the motions. It was like week in, week out, it was just going through the motions. It wasn't, it didn't mean anything. And, and I remember people saying things, I remember coming to youth group and people were like, hey, invite your friends to church. Or, or you know, if you have something and you're, you're stressed about it, you're worried about it, just pray about it. And I, I remember not wanting to do those things. I remember finding myself in a place where I wasn't sure, like, I didn't want to invite my friends to church. And I, I honestly, when something happened in my life, my first instinct wasn't to pray. And why? Because it's hard to commit to something that you're not convinced of. If you're not convinced that it's real. If you're not convinced about it, it's hard to commit. It's hard to invite your friend to church if you're not convinced that church is a place that, that is life-giving. And if, if church is a place that you come and you have community with your friends and you enjoy being here, it's hard to commit to something. It's hard to, to make your first reaction to be to pray when something goes wrong if you don't believe that prayer changes things. Like if, if you honestly, if you find yourself in a place where like, you know, you don't think to pray if something goes wrong. You don't think to pray if there's a big mountain in your life that you can't get past. Then all of a sudden we find ourselves in this place that's like, you know, I, are, you, are you convinced? And I, I remember that there were, there were things in my life that, that I knew were wrong for me. I knew that there was people in my life that were not good for me in that time, that were dragging me a way that I shouldn't be. And I had, I had a girlfriend that I knew I shouldn't be dating. I had friends at school that, that I knew that I shouldn't be hanging out with. And the thing about it is that it was this, I didn't commit to saying, you know what, God, I want what you have for my life because I wasn't convinced. And then I read this in the Bible, and this is what it says, Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the fears for today nor the worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or the earth below. What it's saying is this. As he was writing this, Paul was saying, you know what? Nothing can separate us from God's love. Absolutely no doubt that you have. Nothing, no angel, no demon, no worry that you have, no fear. Nothing that you've ever done wrong could separate you from God's love. At the end of it, it says, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when I read that back then, I feel like this is what the question that God asked me. And I want to ask it to you tonight. And it's, are you convinced? Are you convinced? Are you convinced that God really loves you? Are you convinced that, that God sees the mess in your life? That he sees the things that are going wrong, the way that you've been wronged, 
and he cares about you? Are you convinced that, you know, when you pray that God genuinely hears you and genuinely is working on your behalf? Are you convinced that truly nothing could separate you from God's love? That's where I found myself. I'm asking, am I convinced? And I feel like that's what God was asking me. Jairus, are you convinced? Are you convinced that I really love you? Are you convinced that when you pray, I actually hear you and that I'm actually doing something for you? And I was faced with this question. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if even though that things are going wrong, like, God, why if, if things are going wrong? Like, you say you love me, but I just feel like things aren't happening. And I remember finding myself in this place where I was like, I don't know if I'm convinced. And because here's the deal. Church was something that I did. Church was something that I went to. Church was something that I, I, I knew I was supposed to read my Bible. And church isn't what we're, we're convinced of. When, when Paul writes this, he doesn't say, hey, be, be convinced that house youth is the best place ever. Be convinced that, that life church is the best place ever. Be convinced that, that, that that's what's going to save you. What he says here is something different. He says, be, he says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. And when he says this, what he's saying is that this is no longer just a, a thing that you do. This is no longer just a place that you go. Christianity isn't this religion that you follow rules and you, you, you make the cut Christianity is this relationship, is what he's saying. Love. When we talk about love, you think about, you know, dating somebody. You think about marrying somebody. Love in that capacity. And when you think about love like that, love is a relationship. Love doesn't just happen. Love happens over time. It, it, you don't just say, I love you. And, if you. and if you do, it's like this thing that I think you find yourself in the same thing. Are you convinced? Are you convinced that that, that love is real? Are you convinced that? And so we find ourselves in this place where Love, this thing of, you know, I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love, becomes a relationship. And that's when I began to realize that, that my relationship with God was just all about me following rules. It was all about me going to church, and it wasn't about having a, a two-way relationship. And the thing is, is that what the Bible says here is that nothing that I've done in the past and nothing that I'm going to do is going to separate me from God's love. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing that we've done, no doubt that we've had, no question that we've asked over and over saying, God, I don't understand. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And so I'm at the point where I'm asking this question, am I convinced? Am I convinced that this is real? Am I convinced that God really loves me? And, and I read this, and as, as I read this, it just builds me up. But some of us, you find yourself in the same exact place that I was in in that time. The same exact place where you, when you honestly look at your life, and you honestly think about your relationship with God, it tends to be more just coming to church and less about giving your life to God in a genuine way. And it's like, it's hard to commit to something that you're not convinced of. If the worship team could come on up at this time. I want to share something with you that, that really kind of brought this to life to me and that, that absolutely convinced me that, that God loves me and that nothing can separate me from his love. And uh, I don't know if any of you in this room have ever heard of Muhammad Ali. Now, Muhammad Ali was a boxer, and in the fall of 1974, Muhammad Ali 
was scheduled to fight and projected to lose to the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, George Foreman. Now, you may know George Foreman because George Foreman's got nice grills now, so no, no, no sweat on him. But here's the deal. He was about to fight this guy, and George Foreman is this champion of the world. And everybody, everybody had George Foreman picked. Everybody. And Muhammad Ali, in a press conference leading up to the fight, he says this. He goes, I've done something new for this fight. He said, I've been chopping trees. I've done wrestle with an alligator. I've done tussle with a whale. I've done handcuff lightning throwing thunder in jail. That's bad. And then he looks at everybody in that press conference, looks at every camera in there, looks at every hater that had George Foreman picked against him, and he says, I'll show you how great I am. Muhammad Ali won that fight, and that became one of the most iconic phrases in sports. I'll show you how great I am. And when I hear that, and when I think about that, I think about what God is saying to you and I and in our life. He says, you know what? I will show you how great I am. I know that you're struggling. I know that you're doubting. I know that you're frustrated. I know that your life isn't what you thought it would be. I know that there's things in your life that wear you down and beat you up. But if you would let me, if you would give your life to me, I will show you how great I am. Because nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. No person in your life that puts you down. No, no, nobody that is in your life that is currently beating you up in, like emotionally can separate you from God's love. Nothing that you've done, no flaw that you've had. But what he says is this. He says that if you would give your life to me, if you would honestly give up the things that you want and care about the things that I want, I will show you how great I am. And if you look at the Bible over and over and over again, God does this. He shows you he shows us how great he is. There's a man in the Bible named Abraham. And Abraham and his wife tried for 25 years to have a baby. No luck. And when God stepped in the picture, they had a son. We see stories in the Bible where men with diseases worse than cancer today, worse than what we, we consider one of the worst diseases you can get, would come to Jesus and Jesus would touch them and they were healed, saying, I'll show you how great I am. In my life, I've seen God do things that I could never imagine. My dad broke his shoulder, and he, a guy prayed for him, and his shoulder was completely healed in an instant. And God's like, you know what? If you would trust me, if you would just give your life to me and stop caring about what you want and care about what I want, I'll show you how great I am. Here at Life Church, within this last year, there was a man that he was told that his, that his baby was going to die, that it wouldn't even be born. And the baby was just born, and the baby had, it, it, it wasn't dying and I'm telling you, God looks at us. He looks at our situations and he says, listen, let me show you how great I am. And in my life, it was this moment where I said, you know what, God, I'm sick of living for me. I'm sick of being concerned about what I want to be concerned about, about, about being cool, about doing well in sports, about having a girlfriend, about all these things and saying, God, I want what you want, not what I want. And that's the moment that I was no longer asking questions. That's the moment that I was no longer saying, I don't know about this. But I'm saying, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love. I am convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes real quick? I just want to ask you a question. I want you to just be real and think about it. Are you convinced Right now in your life, are you convinced that this is real? 
Are you convinced that God honestly wants to work in your life, that he will show you how great he is if you would put your life in his hands? Are you convinced? Are you convinced that the situation that you're up against right now is, is you're meant to lose or God is going to win the battle for you? Are you convinced? Because here's the deal. I think when we find, our, find ourselves in this place and we're honest with ourselves to say, you know what, I don't know if I'm convinced that we find ourselves in this place where we're honest with ourselves and where we're honest with God. And God says, you know what? I want to show you. If you would give your life to me, I want to show you how great I am. Now, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take a bold step with nobody looking around, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you and you're saying, you know what? I don't know if I'm convinced, but I want to be convinced. I don't want to live like I have been living. I don't want to live for what I want, but I want to live for what God wants, and I want him to show me how great he is. If that's you and you're saying, you know what, I haven't been convinced, but I want to be convinced, would you just shoot up your hand and say, that's me. I want to be convinced. God, I want you to show me how great you are. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live for the things that I want, but God, I want to live for you. If that's you, just I'm asking you to take one quick bold step and say, you know what, that's me. That's me. God, show me how great you are. Come on, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Now, this is what I want to do. If everyone could stand up on your feet, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask if my leaders could come ahead and come down and stand up here in the front. And this is what we're going to do. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. And we're just going to say, you know what, God? Show me how great you are. God, I ask that I would be convinced. And what we're going to do is as they sing... I'm going to encourage you to worship, but I'm also going to encourage you to step out of your seat and come to a leader and let a leader pray with you. Let a leader agree with you and say, you know what? I want to be convinced. I want God, I want you to show me how great you are. I don't want to live for myself anymore, but God, I want to live for you. Because here we're going to, they're going to begin to lead us. And I want you to come, I want you to come and pray with the leader and say, God, show me how great you are. Saw the person that I could be Awakening in my heart, breaking through the dark Suddenly your grace Like sunlight burning in midnight Making my life something so beautiful, beautiful Mercy reaching to save me All that I needed was so beautiful, Now there 
So Heavenly Father, God, we, we say that we want what you want. God, we, we lift you up, God, and we say that, that would you be in control of our lives, not us. We want to be convinced, God, not just to leave this place saying, you know what, I think that's true. I think that, I think that God is good. I think that he loves me. But to say, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love. Absolutely nothing. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. And we give you this entire night, God. We give you our entire lives and say, Lord, show us how great you are. Remind us that our situation is nothing to you. That you, that you would just take over. So Lord God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Here's the deal. I, I would ask this. I would ask that if, if you said tonight that you, you want to be convinced, don't, let, don't just leave this place and let that stay here. We don't, we don't raise our hands. We don't come and pray. We don't, we don't do those things just to do them and then go back and live our life. We do those things because we honestly want God to change our life. And we, we mark this as a day to say, you know what? I'm not who I used to be. Yesterday I may have acted like that. Yesterday I may have done that. But God, I want what you want from now on. Don't let this be tonight. Don't let this... Don't let this just be hype, because hype means nothing. But the moment that you say, God, I want what you want, and you genuinely mean it, and you're convinced, you leave this place differently. And tomorrow when you wake up, you're not the same person. The Bible says when you accept Jesus, when you say, God, I want what you want, show me how great you are, it's like being dead and coming to life. Being totally, your, your life didn't mean anything, and then with God, it means everything. We don't, we don't leave that here. We don't leave that in this building or, or in this place. That's what changes our life. And God, God will show us how great he is when we do that. And when we say, God, I want what you want. Guys, I love you. And I'm so glad that you're here tonight. I'm so glad that you, you, you stayed with me through that whole message and just heard my story and, and heard my heart. Because that's honestly my heart. My heart is that we would go from a place of just being at church to a place of loving God and being convinced of it. And so tonight, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, we're not going to have small groups. We're not going to have small groups. If you would like to meet, uh, I'm not going to stop you from meeting, but we're not going to have scheduled small groups. Um, and there's two things I want you to do out in the lobby. We've got the Chick-fil-A set up out there. We've we got to set up at a booth with, with cookies and with application. If you're interested in that, go grab an application. Go talk to Grace. And then finally, camp. Camp, camp, camp. I'll say it over and over and over again. Grab a brochure and the papers by the door as you leave tonight because I want every single person in this room to go to camp. I don't know if you know it yet. I don't know if you know that you want to go to camp, but I want you to go to camp. So at least grab a brochure, take it home, put it on your refrigerator, show your parents because it's going to be amazing. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead, give your neighbor a high five and say, let's go hang out. Let's go eat some food.